let you remain seated this morning, but look in Luke 24, and on Sunday mornings, our series has been out of the theme for the year, which is the prophet Jeremiah said, stand ye in the ways, we're talking about the ways of the Lord, and God wants us to see some things or to remember some things, and so that's our series we've been going through. So today, we're coming to Luke 24, and of course, all week long, we've been reflecting on what Jesus did for us over these past uh, six or seven days. Of course, not only did he come, but all that he went through. And so the mo- this morning's message is entitled, Remember He is Near. Remember He is Near. And I want you to look this morning, if you would, beginning in verse number one of Luke chapter number 24. The Bible says, now upon the first day of the week, and the, according to the scriptures, the first day of the week is Sunday, The Bible says it was very early in the morning. They came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, They said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words, and returned from the sepulcher, and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. Now certainly we come to this passage where Jesus now has given his life so that all that would believe in him can have eternal life. Jesus came and lived among men. The Bible says that there was a time where he hung on the cross, that the Bible says he yielded up, he gave up the ghost, he took his last breath, and God the Son died. Now, when we look this morning, Jesus now has risen from the dead, and we see that as he not only before he went to the cross, but after he rose from the dead, Jesus' entire ministry was about ministering to hurting people. In our lives, understand, there are many times where we too will hurt about certain things in life. When you see all that Jesus went through, there were many that had come into contact with him. Some of them that were hurting, I want to remind you of this morning. One of them was Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was hurting because she no longer was able to spend time with the person that she referred to as her master. I also see that Jesus appeared to Peter who was hurting because if you remember, Jesus was one that denied that he would ever deny the Lord, and he did it three times. Jesus, of course, appeared to ten of his disciples, and as he came to them, they were hurting because when Jesus was arrested, the Bible says that all men left him. Everybody fled and did not stay to see what would become of him. He also appeared to the eleven, and that eleventh person that he came to was Thomas, and Thomas was hurting because of his disbelief, because of the moments that he had of doubt in his own life. The Bible says that Jesus appeared to more than 
500 of his disciples at one time after he had risen, and many of them also were hurting. Now today we come to Luke 24, and Jesus sees two of his disciples walking down the road known as the road to Emmaus. They were hurting, these two individuals. They were hurting over everything that had happened to their Lord. And I want you to look there in your notes or in your Bible, Luke 24, look at verse 15. The Bible says, It came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. You see, they were hurting like so many others. I don't know what it is that maybe you personally are going through, maybe a hurt that you might have in your life, maybe something that even might be in the future in your life that would be something that would be a burden, something that would cause hurt in your life. Can I tell you that, listen, it is a wonderful thing to always remember that while we are hurting, the Lord himself will draw near to us. God will come to us during our time of need. And I want you to see four things this morning that Jesus would draw near for. Notice, first of all, that Jesus draws near during confusion. During confusion. Now, the Bible tells us that God is the author of order, that everything he does is decently and in order. Now, that's not the devil because the Bible tells us the devil is the author of confusion. The devil loves to confuse people, just like many today. And listen, it's not about our church. It's about the truth. And so many people are confused about things, just like the disciples were when Jesus was crucified and, of course, he rose. Now, confusion means to have a lack of understanding. It means to be uncertain about something or Maybe things are not perfectly clear. Jesus, the Bible says, he drew near to his disciples during a confusing time. Now, for the past week, Jesus' disciples had been on an emotional and spiritual roller coaster. They had seen Jesus about a week ago like we celebrated. Jesus made his triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem made a formal public announcement that he was the Messiah, that he came to save people from their sins. From that time, Jesus now had had been betrayed in the garden. Jesus had been arrested. He had stood trial all through the night, not for anything that he ever did, but he stood trial and he then went to the cross and gave his life. And the Bible says that when he died on the cross, They took his beautiful body down and they placed him in a borrowed tomb. We come to our passage today and the disciples of the Lord come to the tomb on Sunday, the first day of the week. As they come to the tomb, the stone has been rolled away and his body is not there. Certainly, the Bible says, look at it yourself in verse 4 came to pass that as they were much perplexed. Now, the wording here indicates that they were entirely at a loss. They were puzzled. Where would his body be? Now, there had been, of course, the 
the talk, and of course the Romans placed the stone over the tomb because they said someone could come and take his body and then say that he arose from the dead. And certainly we understand that Jesus had the power to raise himself, and God certainly raised his son, but the Bible says his disciples were certainly confused. They were much perplexed. They didn't know what to believe. They didn't know who to believe. Look at what the Bible says again in verse number 4. They were much perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, and as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. These two angelic beings are there at the tomb, and I really believe God placed them there to try to clear up some of the confusion. We also see that the disciples, like many of us, they had been told many things by the Lord in the previous days, but they too had forgotten some things. They were confused about what Jesus had told them. In our passage, drop down in your Bible to verse number 10. Notice the Bible says here that it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and other women that were with them, which told these things. In other words, what the angelic beings had said unto the apostles. They went back. They told everybody else what they had been told by these angels. And notice their words, verse 11, seemed to the disciples of the Lord, to be as idle tales. And notice his disciples believed not those words which were spoken to them by these women. Now, it's amazing here how confused the apostles were. They wouldn't even believe the account of the women that had gone to the tomb. And they said, look, what they're saying just seems to be like idle tales. Now, the word there, idle tale, means Boy, what an incredible story. But really to us, just seems like a bunch of nonsense. They didn't understand it. They were very confused. And so Peter, being very zealous, very impetuous, notice in verse number 12, after hearing the report from women, it says, Then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulcher. He had to see it for himself. Notice, stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. The Bible says Peter was wondering. He was confused himself. And as they were all so confused, Jesus, the Bible says, drew near to help them. Folks, listen, this morning, I get it. We oftentimes go through times of hurting. It could be a sickness. It could be maybe even a death in the family. It could be marital problems. It could be uh, family problems. It could be financial difficulties. Whatever it is that is causing the hurt in your life, Jesus will draw near unto you. Just like this morning, the Bible says where two or three are gathered together in his name, he has promised to be there with us. You see, when we are hurting, the Lord himself, will draw near. Notice what the Bible says in your notes, Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge 
and strength, a very present help in trouble. Isaiah said, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. James wrote, Draw nigh to God, and he, God, will draw nigh to you. You see, we need to understand this morning, Psalm 145, the Lord is, listen this morning, nigh, he's near unto all that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. So what's with all the confusion this morning? You see, the Lord is near. You see, he not only draws near during the times of our confusion, but notice also that Jesus himself draws near with concern. Let's continue in Luke 24. Look at verse number 14. The Bible says, and they talked together of these things which had happened. And it came to pass, while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? Now, have you figured it out yet that Jesus cares about you? That God is concerned? Listen, that boggles my mind that God is concerned about me, concerned enough to be close to me, as the Bible tells us. The word concern means to care about, to have an interest in, to be connected to us. See, two of his disciples, the Bible records, are on the road to, to Emmaus, and they're walking along, and they're talking and discussing all the things that had happened. I mean, they're, they're thinking to themselves, wow, what an amazing week. And I tell you, none of us will ever have a week like Jesus had this past week as we remember his passion all of the suffering that he went through. But the Bible says while they were talking, while they were discussing, Jesus himself drew near. He went with them. Now look again in verse 16. It says, but their eyes were holden that they should not know him. Now that's not a word that maybe we use in everyday language, holden. But what it indicates here is that their eyes, with their own eyes, physical, listen, physical eyes, they did not recognize him. They did not realize that it was Jesus. And so he asked them a question. He says, why are you so sad? Why are you so gloomy? Why are you acting so mournful? Well, in their minds, they're thinking, well, it's because of what happened to Jesus. Now, when my wife and I had, our daughters were much younger. Our daughters had a lot of things that they got attached to that they liked. And our youngest daughter, she had this favorite stuffed animal called Eeyore. Anybody know Eeyore? Now you do. Some of you, I, I remember that guy. Notice this little saying, could be worse, not sure how, but it could be. Remember Eeyore? He was always like, whoa, you know. You see, Eeyore, instead of being optimistic, many times he was very pessimistic. And that's the way these two disciples were being. I mean, they just didn't understand. They, they were confused, and yet in their confusion, Jesus comes and he says, why are you so sad? Do you know Christ is your Savior today? How many of you are saved? 
Do we have any reason to be sad? No. But so many times. And here's two of his disciples. He draws near to them. Why? Because he's ready to listen to them. Can I tell you that he's always concerned about his children? And so the Bible tells us, notice what Isaiah said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. The writer of the book of Hebrews, look at this verse in your notes. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows what you're going through. Can I say it this way? He feels what you're going through. He's concerned about you. Isaiah said, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. That's why Peter said, listen, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. See, there's never a day in your life as his child that God doesn't care. God cares for you. Whatever you're confused about, can I tell you, he's concerned. He wants to clear up the confusion. And there's no need to be like Eeyore. There's no need to be sad and gloomy. Why? Because the Lord is near. And I want you to see this, thirdly, that the Lord draws near with correction. Now, a lot of times we hear the correction and we automatically think something bad. I'm glad that I had a father that loved me, that was willing to correct me. Some of you may get that. But the Bible does say, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. You see, God always corrects us in a loving way. We may not always perceive it that way. But look there in your Bible, look at verse number 19 of Luke 24. Notice he said unto them, because they're talking about all the things that have happened. Look at verse 18, one of them whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in those these days? And he said unto them, What things? Now, certainly, uh, they viewed Jesus, their eyes were, were not holding to him. They, they did not recognize him. But the Bible says that Jesus asked them uh, why they're so sad. They're like, stranger, don't you know? Are you been hiding under a rock? Are you not aware of what has happened here in the city of Jerusalem over these last few days? And Jesus now makes out like he doesn't have a clue what is happening. And we all know because we know that Jesus was God in the flesh, and God knows all things, and oftentimes, even like in our prayers, God says, listen, I know what you have need of before you even ask, but he says that we ought to make our petitions known unto him. God wants to hear from us in this instance. Verse 19, he says, what things? And they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and notice that that they reply to this, look at verse 21, here it is. We trusted that it had been he, Jesus, 
which should have redeemed Israel. Beside this, today is the third day since these things were done. Their hope was in him. And now he had been put to death. And it had been three days since he had placed in that grave and nothing was happening. Look at verse 24. The Bible says, certain of them that were with us went to the sepulcher, talking about the women. The Bible says, and they found it, it found it even so as the women had said, but they saw, notice, they, but him they saw not. They went there. His body was gone. And, and they look, they shared the women at the tomb. Hey, they told us that they went there, and they told us that they were told by two individuals that he was no longer there, that he was alive. Jesus listened to these two as they were walking down this road. He listened to everything that they had to say. He listened to their concerns, but then he corrected them. A lot of people don't understand what the world calls Easter. By the way, do you know that the word Easter is in the Bible? It's in the book of Acts, chapter 12, and verse number 4. See, a lot of times even Christians think that it's a word that the world has come up with. It actually uh, comes from the word east, and of course all of us understand that the sun rises in the east, and it all deals with the rising of the sun on the first day of the week. We call it Resurrection Sunday. And see, there's a lot of confusion about what Easter is really all about, and here Jesus is trying to come near to them during their confusion. He's telling them how concerned he is about them. And then because of their confusion, he needs to try to correct some things. We live in a world that, listen, most people think that Easter is all about the bunny. Can I tell you, it's not about the bunny, it's about the lamb. It's all about Jesus. And so I want you to see, look at verse 25. He said unto them, O fools. And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. You see, they they shared with Jesus, and Jesus listens. But then notice what he does is he begins to correct them. Now, the word correction means a change from wrong to right. It means to make something true. He tells them that they have been fools. Now, the word fool here is used to indicate somebody that is, in their own thinking, unintelligent, that their their implication here is that they've been thinking sensually or fleshly, that they have not been using wisdom about all that had happened. He says that they were slow of heart to believe. Now, again, the wording here means that they were dull in their minds. They were slow to apprehend or to get to understand everything that had taken place. Notice verse 26. He says to them that, that they were fools to, to not believe that the, what the prophets had spoken. And here it is, verse 26, how that they said, ought not Christ to have suffered these things? In other words, it shouldn't be a surprise to you because God had already given that to the prophets many years ago, all that he would do, and then to enter into his glory. Verse 27, beginning at Moses... And all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning what? Himself. Now listen, there's not a better subject than Jesus. He is the main subject. I don't know why, again, the world might want to say this. At Christmas time, 
And we understand that's the time of year we recognize that God sent forth his son into this world, that Jesus was born of a virgin. And people say that Jesus is the reason for the season. Can I tell you, Jesus is the reason for every problem in life. Jesus is the focus of our lives each and every day. And the Bible says he began at Moses and the scripture, he began to try to clear up the confusion. He began to try to correct them. He taught them about himself. Why? So that they would have a better understanding because they were dull of apprehending all that he had gone through that day. Now, in your notes is a great verse that I want you to see from Hebrews chapter 2. Everybody look at it. It says, for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through what? Suffering. You know what that's talking about? That's talking about Jesus had to go to the cross. Jesus had to give his life because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. There is no forgiveness of sin. That's why John the Baptist, when Jesus came to him that one day in the wilderness, while John was baptizing in the Jordan, John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus said, Look, let me help you understand I already told you this once, but somehow you have forgotten this, that the whole reason I came was not to live and stay here, but I came to give my life so that you can have eternal life. The Bible says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so Jesus now correcting their misunderstandings, and he uses this reference. Listen, there are times in the Bible where There is a statement, a phrase that is a summary. Here's one of them. Moses and all the prophets. That phrase is an indication of the entire Old Testament. In other words, if you study the Bible in your life, in your reading, you'll find that everything that happened in the Old Testament all pointed to Jesus. Every last bit of it. We need to understand that as the Bible says, look in your notes, Galatians 3 and verse 24. Wherefore, notice the reference here, the law. That's talking about the Old Testament. It says, that wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Now, some of you, like me, maybe you remember the days, and I know I'm dating myself here, where we had a schoolmaster. Anybody remember, can relate? I can remember the ruler that had a metal edge on it. Anybody remember that one? And I remember getting whacked across the fingers with that ruler. That was our schoolmaster. Now the Bible says, look at it again, the law, in other words, God's word, the Old Testament at that time, was our schoolmaster to correct us, to bring us, notice this, unto who? Unto Christ. Now, can I tell you, look at it, that we who come to Christ might be justified, that we might be saved. Well, how do you get saved? The Bible says, by faith, by believing that Jesus died for our sins. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you this morning, 
I love God's Word. I don't mean to, to, to devalue the Word of God, but understand this morning that the law does not save, Jesus saves. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, the only way that somebody can go to heaven is if they have eternal life, and eternal life is in Jesus Christ. See, the Word of God is just like understanding this morning that as we read the Word of God, Old and New Testament now, that it points us to Jesus. Notice what Jesus himself said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 17. Look at this. Think not that I am come to destroy the law. Now, let's just stop here for a minute. Jesus was God in the flesh, and the law is God's word. How ridiculous would it be for Jesus, who is God, to want to destroy his own word? Jesus said, no, 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 look at it. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Notice Romans 10, 4. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that what? Believe it. See, it is all about putting one's faith, not in the church, not, not in uh, how good we are, not in about what, how life we live or who we know or the family that we grew up in. The Bible says that Christ is the end of the law. That understand this morning that Jesus came that we might have. He's Look, he's trying to correct their misunderstanding here. And notice the whole reason that God gives us his word. Look at uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of who? God. Now look at this. And the Bible says right there. All Scripture then is profitable. See, there are reasons that God has given us His Word. And notice a few of them. For doctrine, what we believe, for reproof, for the way that uh, maybe, maybe we misunderstand something. But look at this. Even for correction. See, biblical correction means to correct something again, to straighten it up again. There are many times, look, I, I was 20 years old. When God finally helped me to understand the truth about who Jesus is and why Jesus came. But see, there were things that I had been taught before I was 20 that were things that were not right. And God has given us His Word, the Bible, to straighten things up again, to put things right. And listen, this morning, when we are wrong about things, that is when Jesus, like with those two disciples, draws near to us. And he lovingly corrects us. See, Jesus draws near during confusion. Jesus draws near with concern. Jesus draws near with correction. But can I also say this morning, Jesus draws near with comfort. Now look back in your Bible, if you would, in verse 28. Look at this. And they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them, and it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread, and he blessed it, and brake, and gave to them. And look at the statement, and their eyes were opened. And they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. You know what they were thinking? 
deja vu moment. Hey, seemed like we just did this not too long ago. How we sat with the Lord in that upper room. And he took the bread and he broke it and he blessed it. And the Bible says their eyes were opened. You see, the comfort that they received was because Jesus drew near to them. See, I'm going to tell you something. I've known many Christians, even in very difficult times, laying in hospitals with family members, where God draws near and His presence gives them comfort. We see that here today with the disciples, how comforted they were by His appearance. Look at verse 32. And they said one to another, as he departed out of their sight, notice, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? They found comfort in the words that he said to them. I love that statement there, did our hearts not burn? The phrase means to set on fire. By the way, that's a good kind of heartburn, right? You ever been reading your Bible when God set your heart on fire? When God's words brought comfort to you? Let's read on. Look at verse 33. And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. It's an amazing thing how they had heard, they had seen the risen Savior. He had comforted them, and they brought that same comfort that they themselves receive. Listen to me this morning. See, a lot of times we often think that it's all about us. Listen, God wants to comfort you, yes. But God wants to then use you to help others, to comfort others. Look at a great verse here, and you know it's 2 Corinthians 1.4. God, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. As a matter of fact, listen, when Jesus finally went back to heaven, remember he says, I'm going away to prepare a place for you, but I will not leave you comfortless. And so the one that he sent is called the Comforter, the Holy Spirit of God. You see, the Lord drew near to them That comfort was made possible when the Lord draws near to us. See, many years before this, when God sent His Son in the fullness of time, there was one that spent time in the temple, and like many, he had read and heard the Old Testament scriptures and the prophecy about that God would send a Savior, His Son. And the time came where The Bible records in Luke 2, and I think you have it there in your notes. It says, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout. And notice 
he was waiting for the consolation for Israel. Now, the word consolation means comfort. He was waiting for the hope that they had been promised. Notice the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, the one thing that he believed was, watch this, that somehow, some way, that he was going to see the comfort, the consolation of God before his life expired. He didn't know how, he didn't know when, but let's read on. He came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents, that would be Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he up in his arms. This is Simeon. He takes the baby Jesus, the child Jesus. He's holding him in his arms. Notice he blessed God, and he said, Lord, now. Lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen what? Thy salvation. Notice the connection of the word comfort, consolation with the word salvation. You see, Jesus came that we might have peace in our hearts, that we might have salvation. You see, this morning... Can I tell you that in our confusion, when we have a concern, even at times when we need correction, God will come to us. He'll draw near to us. He will comfort us. And the question this morning is, what are you waiting for? The Lord is near. I mean, each and every day you can spend time with Him. I mean, He is the God of consolation, of all comfort to a world that is without hope, to a world that is living in sin. And Jesus came. Jesus lived a sinless life. He died for your sins. Why? To give you hope. And the Bible says He has power over death, hell, and the grave. And today we celebrate He's alive. Little Mackenzie understood this. She wasn't trying to have some theological debate, but... She just wanted to make a point about Jesus' resurrection. Her Sunday school teacher had tried very hard with her students to to give them uh, assurance that Jesus is everywhere. Oh, listening to that, little Mackenzie didn't really think that that sounded right. I mean, the teacher said Jesus is everywhere, and so little Mackenzie said, well, I know one place Jesus isn't. The teacher was a little inquisitive and said, oh, is that right, Mackenzie? Well, where is that? She smiled with a smile on her face and said, well, he's not in the grave. Well, Mackenzie had it right. He is not here, for he is risen. See, a true story years ago that I was reminded of this week was about a lady named Marty Halliburton. Marty had a husband named Porter. You see his picture there, served in the Navy. He was shot down during the Vietnam War. One day, during his time of service, the Navy representatives came to Marty's house. They came, had very long looks on their face. They came to tell her that her husband had died in action. For several days, Marty was really too numb to react. 
The flags around town were all at half-staff. There was a grave marker placed in Porter's memory in the family cemetery. For 18 months, 18 months, day after day, Marty just kept thinking about her husband. Couldn't get over the news. The great loss. She was trying to adjust to it, but it was very hard. Eighteen months had gone by, and then one day there was a knock on the door. She opened the door, and it was a group of military experts that appeared. This time, they didn't have a long look on their face. They told her, with dramatic news, your husband's alive. In relatively good condition. He's being held by the North Vietnamese. Marty's emotions leaked as if on a roller coaster and They told her to keep the information to herself for fear of retaliation against the POWs if the news got out. But that was impossible. How could Marty hide the sparkle in her eye? And how could she hide the bounce in her step? And how could she hide the smile on her face? And how do you hide the sudden transformation of your personality? How do you talk to your friends without blurting out the news, my husband's not dead, he's alive. She couldn't keep it in. And the news finally realized, and they made it easier on Marty. They changed Porter's status, and Marty was able to phone everyone with the life-changing news, Porter's not dead, Porter's alive. Can I tell you this morning, Jesus is not dead, he's alive. We serve a risen Savior. Would you stand to your feet this morning with our heads bowed, with our eyes closed this morning? And I'll ask if you'll just remain still for just a moment, we'll be done. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Jesus is alive. I don't know about you, but every day I think about that. But on a day like today, I hope God has helped you to Maybe you're like those disciples that you really haven't recognized what Jesus has done for you. And today, what God has done is He's opened your eyes spiritually. He's opened your eyes so that you can see. The whole reason that He came was so that you could have eternal life. You see, many people should see a smile on your face. They should see a spring in your step, just like Marty's. Why? Because you know the good news. Hallelujah, Christ alone. If this was your last day on this planet, you took your last breath, how many of you this morning could say, there's been a time in my life where I've put my faith in Christ, in Christ alone. And if I took my last breath today, I would open my eyes in the presence of Jesus. Could you raise your hand as a testimony? I'm saved, and I know it. What a blessing. Hands all over the auditorium. You can put your hands down. Some of you this morning, like those in the early service, some could not raise their hand. I appreciate your honesty. I was there for 20 years. See, I thought that I could live a good enough life. I was going to church occasionally. 
I hadn't really done anything that bad. But you know, I realized from the scriptures that the only way that I could go to heaven is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that then Him should not perish but have ever lasting life. If you're here today, it doesn't matter what your background is, doesn't matter what you've done. You see, the Lord loves you. God sent His Son to die for you. And the only thing you need to do is to believe that Jesus is God and that He died so that you could I wonder where you're at with your head bowed. No one's looking around. Would you pray to God this morning? Just between you and God. You don't have to pray it out loud if you don't want to. But would you pray and say, Lord, would you please forgive me for my sins? Come into my heart and be my Savior. Thank you for dying for me so that I could have a home in heaven. I wonder if the piano plays. Would you just pray and ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins, to be your Savior? No one's looking around. I'm going to close in prayer in just a minute. But I wonder, did you you pray and ask Jesus to save you from your sins. If you did, would you slip your hand up? You can slip it up and put it right back down. I see those hands. I see that hand. Anyone else this morning? I asked Jesus to be my Savior. I see that hand. Thank you, ma'am. You can put it down. Anyone else? I see that hand. Anyone else? About four or five people have indicated that they've asked the Lord forgive them of their sins. Those of us that raised our hand earlier said, I know Christ is my Savior. How many of you are thankful for what Jesus did for you? Would you raise your hand? As Brother Kenny begins to sing, let's respond this morning. Let's come and thank God for His salvation. And if you need to come this morning, maybe you you already prayed you'd like to come and we'd like to maybe spend a moment with you why don't you come right now step out and come to the Lord come and thank the Lord for Easter for the resurrection of Jesus Christ some of you that raised your hand why don't you come this morning and thank God that he saved you this morning what a blessing it is to be a Christian we have much to be thankful Come home. Come home. Jesus is waiting. He cares about you.
thank you so much for this day. Thank you for Jesus and all that he did for us on the cross of Calvary. Lord, we thank you for his death, for his burial, but ultimately we want to thank you for his resurrection. Thank you that he is alive and that he has won the victory over sin and the grave and over the power of Satan upon us. Lord, I pray that you'd help. If there's one here today that still does not know you as their personal Savior, that before they leave this place, it may be before it's eternally too late, they would put their faith and trust in you. Lord, I pray you bless the remainder of our day today. We thank you again for Easter and the celebration of our risen Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name.